0: what at first could be seen or understood as merely an historical reference at the beginning of today's gospel, or simply as a note in passing, is really much more than that, very much more. It lies at the heart of today's gospel reading, providing an entry into Jesus' teaching. It sets the scene and gives it context. Of what am I speaking, you might be asking yourselves. St. Matthew writes that Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. There, you have it. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Granted, on the surface, this brief, seemingly geographical note does not sound like very much, nor very important. Yet, it is rather important for better understanding the story about Jesus' encounter with the Canaanite woman and our call to a deeper Christocentric faith. These two ancient Phoenician port cities on the Mediterranean Sea, Tyre and Sidon, were established and settled some two millennia before Jesus. They were centers of fishing and trade, maritime expedition, and life. Their location is in modern-day Lebanon, just a few short miles from the current Israeli-Lebanese border. At the time of Jesus, these cities were predominantly pagan cities, with mixtures of families and religious beliefs, practices, customs and culture arising from Greek, Canaanite, and Jewish origins. They knew not, nor did they worship, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord of the Covenant, the God of all creation. They were looked down upon by the Jews, much like the Samaritans were, and for many of the same reasons. More often than not, the people of the covenant thought that they themselves were far superior to these backwards people, since they were religiously following God in his ways. Yet, they did not recognize him in their midst, as their prophets admonished and as God himself made plain to them. In short, they refused him. Their faith in God and their obedience to him were wanting. Now you would have expected that Jesus's ministry of grace and salvation, of reconciliation, eternal life, and the forgiveness of sins would be for the house of Israel. In fact, even exclusively for the house of Israel, with whom God had entered into covenant time and time again. Yet exclusivity with the house of Israel was not the case. The scripture passage from Isaiah 56, which we hear today, explains why exclusivity with Israel was not the case. Speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God declares that his house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples, for he is the God of all people. Israel, excuse me, Isaiah writes that with the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord, who love the name of the Lord, who minister to him, becoming his servants, keeping the Sabbath and holding fast to the covenant, that the Lord God will bring them to his holy mountain, to his holy house and make joyful in his house of prayer. They will abide with God and God with them. This is something unheard of and unthinkable for the faithful Jew. Rather than have their sacrifices upon the altar be profane, unacceptable, the work of demons, and worse, these people, the Gentiles, who do what is right and just, loving and serving the holy name of God, becoming his servants, these sacrifices, we are told, will be acceptable on God's altar. They will be pleasing to him. For both Jew and Gentile alike, that which grants us access to dwelling on God's holy mountain is a change of heart, a conversion of heart and of life, a conversion from the ways of the world to the ways of God, from sin to righteousness, from disobedience to the obedience of, to God's laws, commands, decrees, and ordinances. It involves putting our faith and trust in the Lord God, like the Canaanite woman, even though a foreigner and a Gentile, whose daughter was tormented by a demon, and whose profession of faith in Christ rings out eloquently through the ages. Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. Lord, help me. And he does. Her daughter was freed and healed from the pangs and grip of the demon at that very hour, much like the centurion's son, because of her great faith. In this short encounter between Jesus and the Canaanite woman, St. Matthew presents another profession of faith in Jesus. For everyone knew that only God had power or authority to command nature, sickness, demons, and death, as he is the creator of all that is seen, all that is unseen. St. Matthew shows Jesus performing the works and the signs which only God is able to perform. This is a bit similar to a type of Greek chorus with the evangelist telling us that Jesus is God. Look at what he is doing, the work reserved to God and God alone. Look, believe. Jesus commends the Canaanite woman's faith in him, and in so doing, he invites us to look and see, to hear and understand, to go and be likewise. This is a story on many different levels. It's a story about Jesus, who he is, his care and concern, his mercy and compassion. It is a story about the Canaanite woman's faith in Jesus Christ. It is likewise a story about our faith. It is a story about the Gentiles being co-heirs and co-partners with the Jews in the promise of life in Christ. This is a story as well about the faith that doesn't doubt, which underlies what Saint Elizabeth said to the Blessed Virgin Mary at the visitation, Blessed is she who trusted that the Lord's words and promise to her would be fulfilled. Through faith Mary's heart is disposed to do the will of the Father and to cooperate with the divine plan, with whatever he wills. Through the Holy Eucharist, which we celebrate this day, may our faith and trust in God be solid like that of the Canaanite woman. May we always approach Jesus with our needs. Lord, son of David, have pity on me help me. And may we be attentive to receive Jesus' care and concern, his mercy and compassion in overabundance, and so be ministers of the same to one another.